I'm Mark Peterson, and this is Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. In the lead up to a hurricane response, making informed decisions about the storm forecast is critical and extremely time sensitive. FEMA, working closely with our federal partners, is constantly working to assist our state, local, tribal, and territorial partners with everything from decisions related to hurricane evacuation and response to operational decision support and crisis planning when hurricanes are threatening the United States. We do this through a team of specialists working hand in hand with the National Weather Service to understand the impacts from the very latest forecast information. On today's episode, we meet with members of FEMA's National Hurricane Program to talk about how they work together from locations around the country, the National Hurricane Center in Miami, FEMA's regional offices, and FEMA headquarters to analyze forecast information and coordinate directly with emergency managers to assist them in making the very best decisions they can to protect lives and property in their communities. I'm joined by Christina Finch. So thank you, Christina, for joining me. Great to be here. Thank you. Great. And uh, Brandon Belinsky. Hey, how's it going? Each of you have a very distinct role. And so, Christina, I wonder if you could start, we could start with you and just tell me a little bit about your role within FEMA and the hurricane program. Yes, thank you for the question. So uh, my role with FEMA is from Washington, D.C. as the National Hurricane Program Program Manager. Uh, the National Hurricane Program provides data, tools, and technical assistance really geared for helping state and local emergency managers make informed decisions during hurricane response. And we have a, a large team that helps support that effort from uh, headquarters, the regions, as well as the hurricane liaison team at the National Hurricane Center. Brandon, how is the region's role in this uh, distinct from headquarters? Yeah, so a lot of our partners tend to be focused on the state and helping support the states. And and uh, going back to what you mentioned about decision-making, a lot of decision-making is not happening when a hurricane is going to make landfall. It's happening now. Who is at, at, at risk? How long does it take? And that's what our program kind of focuses on. And the regional level, we're making sure they have the HESs, the hurricane evacuation studies, the tools and capability to understand now what they need to do when a hurricane is going to make landfall. So they're not scrambling last minute making decisions. They're, they're enacting their plans. They already have the pieces and, and things set aside. So we're, we're always working, making sure they have the training, those tools, and that coordination Meaning piece. Meaning well before a, a, yep. a, a, yep. a storm forms. That's the time. Yeah. Oh, like now, this the, the blue skies, the, the conferences, the training, this is giving them that capability that they're making decisions now what needs to happen, and they're just enacting their plans. We, we sometimes joke that uh, uh, the, the time before the beginning of the Atlantic hurricane season, so that January to June timeframe, feels like the busiest time for the National Hurricane Program because that's when we're uh, actively working on those hurricane evacuation studies with state and, and local emergency managers, delivering the training that we provide for both hurricane readiness and on our HURVAC decision support tool. And all of that kind of program coordination happens in, in that couple months leading up to the season rather than when we're actually focused on uh, supporting operational needs during the hurricane season. Right, and I think that's the, um, the battles won, as you mentioned now, in those relationships 
and we've seen it and we hear it from leadership that now is the time to be meeting people, not when we're dealing with a, a disaster, you know? So by doing that, you, you're building those relationships and that trust. Now these, these people that are in the trainings, that are at these conferences, that are doing the outreach and these hurricane awareness tours and all that stuff are the same ones that we're interacting with operationally. And you know their names, they, they know the products, they're more familiar with it. Understanding all those needs of those partners and, and you know, it's, 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 a, it's a really cool role um, to have and, and to be able to see how those pieces fit together. Yeah, and the Weather Service and the National Hurricane Center are obviously critically important. So how is the work that you do um, with the data different than what the Weather Service does? So I think we're very dependent on the data that they're providing. And our goal is to be able to help emergency managers understand how to use that information to support uh, their decision making. And so most of our tools like Huravac uh, rely heavily on the Weather Service and the National Hurricane Center forecast products as the backbone for the data and information that's in Huravac but we're trying to make it available in a one-stop shop. So you can come to Huravac and get lots of disparate pieces of information and link it to the information that's specific for your state and local emergency management uh, agency. So the hurricane evacuation study process results in evacuation zones as well as evacuation clearance times. Clearance times are the amount of time it would take for you to safely evacuate your community from the, the first car kind of getting on the roadway network till the last person reaches a point of safety. And so the nice thing about Huravac is you can see those forecast tools that show uh, time of arrival of tropical storm force winds in the same place as you can see your evacuation scenarios as well as those clearance times. So our role is really in helping put that data together in a, in a product and a resource where they can use uh, information from disparate sources in the same place. Tell me about Huravac, and you know, is it a software that's available, um, you know, to all local emergency managers? Is it web-based? How do yeah, they get it's, it? It's got a great long-storied history. Um, go that, That's a whole other podcast, probably. <laughs> um, but uh, um, the cool thing about it is, yeah, it's available for free to emergency managers and people in emergency management, government emergency management agencies that have that responsibility. And um, we have over 20,000 users. It's a web-based tool. They log in with a unique login and they, they, they can tailor it to their community. Um, but all that information's there for them to really dig and dive into that, uh, the, the Hurricane Center products. And the beauty of, the, of that tool, the tool from the, in the history of it was that they could get some of those things that were hard to get to from the forecast, if that makes any sense. What does this mean to me? A lot of times the Hurricane Center, rightfully so, is putting out products for the general public. But as an emergency manager, I had specific needs of how long do I have till it gets here to my community? How bad will it be? How strong will the winds be? And answers those questions really quick. And then he can go, okay, this is how it lines up with my plan and what I need to do. And then as a forecast is always changing, that's a great situational awareness tool. Every six hours, new advisory, new forecast products. What now? And not, not just a uh, situational awareness tool, but also um, developing the messaging, right? I mean, because those local emergency managers are, are helping their mayors um, when they're out there, you know, on, in press conferences, talking to their public. So that Huravac is directly feeding into that messaging, Yeah, right? exactly. A lot of people use it as a briefing tool, situational awareness, a, um, you know, just being able to track that and, and 
it's it's crazy to think that a lot of these emergency managers that is their main tool to understand what they're doing and what they need to do they built it into their plans and uh we've seen it it's pretty crazy we've gone through this uh uh, modernization of the tool and as a web-based product and, and incorporating so many great new uh, things that are out there and uh, people are coming out of the woodwork going we need this this is great and, and you're just seeing how the the community like i said over twenty thousand users on the emergency management side on the weather service side um, and all those different responding pieces you're, you're really seeing that this is such an important tool for all parts of, of responders and uh they're all looking at the same information that's the other cool part about this tool I'm looking at the same thing that you're looking at and he's looking at. That's a big deal in emergency management that we're all on the same page of where's the storm and when's it gonna get here and how bad's it gonna be. By doing that, that cuts out a lot of that noise. Okay, we've talked a lot about HuraVac, um, but what other tools uh, is the National Hurricane Program working on? Yes, so at this year's National Hurricane Conference, the National Hurricane Program won an award for the Storm Simulation Tool, which is a tool that's available within HuraVac. And it allows emergency managers, the 20,000 emergency managers that have access to HuraVac to create their own uh, storms, simulated storms to support exercises and planning efforts. So with a limited set of information, you can go in and use a historic storm or provide a couple latitude and longitude points. You can develop your own storm scenario. You can also change uh, the, the, the forecast uncertainty and, and which uh, direction, whether west or east, the forecast may lean. And you can then generate when probability products associated with that storm. So it would interact in the same way a real storm would in Huravac. You can uh, approach a storm through time. You can evaluate the forecast products that accompany that storm and then use that to support your planning efforts and your exercises. So thus far, we've had about 500 storms created using the storm simulator since it's been released. And we're really excited to learn and see how this tool is helping state and local emergency managers plan by being able to have that, that data and simulated resource to help them see uh, what could change and what products would look like for that particular type of event. Yeah, I think the importance, importance of that is you kind of practice how you're going to play. If that's a tool you're going to use to be monitoring the storm, being able to create that in that tool and have the ability to have very specific, meet specific needs to exercise is kind of cool to have. Um, you can make it up and try to your hand at, you know, doing it some other way, but having that tool right there to do that. And we've done that in the region and I've seen with the states is they have a specific thing they wanna do and exercise, a slow storm, a big storm, a, a rapid storm, you know, whatever it might be, they can get that in there, dial it in, and then provide that as a, a starting point for their exercise and, and make a realistic practice for folks. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it, it's really cool to see that. It makes, it gives you like, wow, they did this all by themselves. And um, it's neat. And, and the, the, the beauty of it is if you couldn't do it there, you'd have to go to other partners where there's only so many partners that and could do this. And ask them to design it yes. and that kind of right, thing. Right, right. And that's hard to do. Um, it takes up a lot of time. It's a time sink to do that. Yeah. And as we mentioned, exercise season is a busy season for everybody. It's the outreach season, it's the conference season. So um, giving the partners that ability to do that themselves with a good good help product also built into it on how to do this. 
and, and to build a, a holistic scenario. I mean, I think sometimes during uh, exercises, um, it maybe pulls in some partners, but not others. And if you can actually develop a realistic scenario that encompasses the entire impact, you can bring in every partner that potentially would be there, right? And historically, the process to develop that type of resource could have taken weeks or even months. And so with the advent of this tool, you can develop a storm scenario in just a few minutes and then uh, have that dialogue with your partners about what are you trying to test and what would you like to exercise in this given scenario and then make some tweaks if you want to make the storm larger, if you want to make the forecast change uh, more significantly or speed the storm up. And so it gives you the customization capability that historically would have taken a lot of time and coordination and made it less flexible to be able to make those types of adjustments for what you'd be exercising. So in the blue sky days, what is training like? How do you train, um, you know, our partners on this? So we have a number of different training options. Uh, most of our, our training is coordinated through the Emergency Management Institute. And currently in, in 2022, one of the things we're working on is updating and maintaining that training curriculum that the National Hurricane uh, Program provides. So one of our most common courses is known as L311. It's hurricane readiness for coastal communities. But this year we're also piloting uh, L310, which is hurricane readiness for inland communities, so we can start to have more resources available to address the hazards and risk for inland communities, such as, as inland flooding. Uh, and then we have HuraVac her training specifically on how to use the tool. Uh, and that training is, is a partnership, really, through FEMA and the Army Corps of Engineers and Sea Island Software, our operations and maintenance vendor. And so there are a number of ways you can get HuraVac training. If you coordinate that through your regional hurricane program manager or send us a request through HuraVac.com, their support website. But we do HuraVac training on request for state emergency management agencies in preparation for the season. And so in addition to our EMI training offerings, we have uh, HuraVac training. So, Christina, how has uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of the efficiencies that we've seen, how has that changed um, the work that yes. you're doing? Yes. So, COVID uh, presented a, a unique challenge and opportunity for the National Hurricane Program. Uh, we weren't able to gather in some of the existing forums that, that we were typically used to for engaging both our partners and our stakeholders at state levels. I think we were one of the, the last groups that did get to get together, though. Uh, we hosted L324, which is our week-long course at the, the Hurricane Center uh, in February 2020, right before everything kind of closed down. And so that was our last opportunity to meet with stakeholders. But COVID uh, gave us an opportunity to shift and figure out how could we provide some of the hurricane readiness information that we provide in our in-person meetings and conferences and training in a virtual format. So in 2021, we adapted some of our in-person training content for delivery in a virtual forum. And we hosted a three-day, uh, three, three half how would I say that? Three half-day webinars. <laughs> Sorry, you might have to edit that. Three half-day webinars. Uh, and we had over 2,000 participants participate in those virtual webinar series. In addition, we transitioned our HuraVac training. Rather than delivering that in person in an EOC, 
we delivered that through virtual forums and we reached thousands of people through virtual HERVAC training. So as the program looks towards the future of training and engagement, there are gonna be opportunities to continue to incorporate uh, virtual platforms in the delivery of not only our hurricane readiness training, but our HERVAC training. What about operations? Hurricanes were still going on during this and uh, travel and, and getting together the way we do and, and being in a small room in the hurricane center and interacting with the hurricane centers, it was harder to do. But what we found, there's still that need for information and insight. Um, what we did in the end was we'd open up a, uh, a Teams chat or a, a um, video. video, Teams video, and someone would come in and say something and I'd be like, what do you say? Do I need to, you know, or, hey, we had a call, but we just always, it was like I was there, but virtually. I actually ended up taking, uh, we took a picture of the, of the uh, office and put it behind me. So when I was on like other meetings with people, I was still trying to say, I'm virtually deployed to the HLT. I'm an HLT member working from Miami, not here in Atlanta. So I, I, I'd like kind of pretended that that's where I was and, and did the same things, entering things in duty logs, participating in calls, helping coordinate things. Um, the way I usually would. And it was, it was kind of fun trying to do, pull it off. It was harder for sure, but that was the way to do it. We just have a, a Teams video chat open and people could join and come as needed and, and ask questions. And you didn't have to make a call or text anything. And everybody was hearing the same thing at the same time. And it was, it was kind of neat to have that. Often, we, we talked a lot about the um, local emergency managers and our state partners and our tribal and territorial partners. Um, but when FEMA is responding to uh, an event, and most of these, well, not most, but a lot of these hurricanes can turn into really major uh, situations for a response, that FEMA is just one part of the team, and it really involves the interagency. So, and, and the interagency is not just, at, or not just at the national level, it's also at the regional level. So how is your work supporting the decision-making for the interagency maybe first at the regional level and then the headquarters level. It's nice to have that one voice kind of thing. Um, and through HERAVAC and those briefings, those are people really key in on those because that's where the forecasters or the, the leadership at, at, at um, National Hurricane Center is giving that information and, and, and insight into timing and, and impacts and kind of outlining those threats. And as it gets closer, they get more and more information. And all the agencies are listening to that. Um, you know, we, we talk about just talking with just within region, but no, there's a lot of folks we work with um, and between uh, some of the mass care groups, transportation groups, um, uh, and other federal partners that are listening to that and uh, really keen on that from the region and the headquarters. So those, those briefings that are done in the morning and midday, I think it's amazing how many people are in on those and how many people are getting communications from the HLT. Um, you know, it's... Think about the way, I mean, this is a side note, but you know, the weather is one of the first things people look to in the paper and in the news. It, it, it's a big deal. So um, hearing that from that, it's, it's kind of like, you almost think that the Hurricane Center is your, your uh, morning news guy or something. You're looking to them to, okay, set, set what the tone for the day and move forward. We'll talk to you later, okay? I think the interagency partnership is one of the most exciting parts of the National Hurricane Program. So in my role at FEMA headquarters, one of my primary responsibilities is to build that partnership with the Army Corps of Engineers and the NOAA National Hurricane Center. 
because by providing resources and knowledge and, and staff uh, and funding across all three of our, our agencies, we're able to come together to really improve the, the value and efficiency of the tools and information we're trying to provide. So I, I spend uh, quite a bit of time engaging with our Army Corps of Engineers and, and NOAA National Hurricane Center partners in charting the, the vision for the National Hurricane Program and how we're going to collaborate, not just during hurricane season, but throughout the year to be prepared to meet the needs of, of our stakeholders to help them be informed and, and make decisions. So uh, having worked in this space for quite a while, um, all of you, is there a hurricane that maybe stands out as an example of how the information and the tools that you have uh, worked to incorporate um, has really affected the decision making in a really profound way? My, my first hurricane really in this role in, in, in true FEMA fashion was just a couple of weeks after I started was, was Hurricane Dorian. Uh, and, and Hurricane Dorian was a slow moving storm and uh, activated almost all of our team other than our region now nine counterpart. But as it kind of uh, hung off the coastline and continued to be a slow moving storm and, and work its way up the eastern seaboard, uh, we had just about all of the hurricane liaison team activated. So in that role, I'm at the, the National Response Coordination Center, the NRCC, and it was the first opportunity I got to have to see how this team works together and engages across regions and headquarters with our RRCCs and the NRCC and, and our engagement with the hurricane liaison team. And as that storm was so slow moving and continued to, to, to shift the forecast uh, further up the coast, you could see each of these teams start to pull in and, and be supporting their states and helping that coordination uh, at each level. So at headquarters at regions with particular states and through the HLT. I mean, it's it's hard to say where to start. There's some great memorable storms out there that that we have some great stories about. Um, I think one of the biggest ones that, that sticks in a lot of people's mind because we deal with evacuations is Irma. Don't remember the year anymore. I used to be able to do that, but I can't. 2017? 2017. 2017. Um, Irma was where we had a track that was shifting slightly. And just small shifts make, can make big differences in who's going to be impacted. And a lot of that, when you look at South Florida, we, that's where we have some of our longest times to get people out of harm's way, very vulnerable coastline, um, limited infrastructure and roads. And um, I think it was just neat to see people are looking to the Hurricane Center, rightfully so, and then the products we provide to understand what does this mean to me? How is this changing? And the HERVAC really was that tool to help them go, we're looking at something different now. And now here's what it means to me. And now this isn't here, you know, so it was really, it was really cool to see that. And um, I think it was a success story getting people on the right page and dealing with a very, very tough situation um, when you have a storm that's projected to be, you know, this is one of those, is this a good idea to be able to have a five day forecast of a major hurricane on a coastline? Five days, you know, if you have that kind of lead time, um, what do you start doing? What can you do? Can you? can you have the restraint to hold until you need to, to do some of these things? And, and, uh, I think Irma is one of those that was uh, a pretty big one. You know, actually, I don't even think I was at the hurricane center for that one. That was a tough one It was a shelter in place. And, and as a tough, another one where a lot of the team was activated due to the threat to the hurricane center. Um, 
Um, but you know, it's 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 crazy to think about some of those those times that we have and the stories you may you have of of working with the then that, and going back to that that the the agency and the partnerships we have with the the Corps of Engineers and the and the Hurricane Center. It's it's a team. You can't do it yourselves. They know they can't do it themselves to do all the things that need to happen. FEMA can't do it all by themselves. The state and locals. And that's what's kind of neat to see how that all those pieces fall into place. That my role is to help them, to help them, to help them in this in this way. And 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 uh, I mean, you see, it's, it's it seems like it happens time and time again. Uh, name a storm, and we can give you great examples of just and lessons learned. You know, it's good to have, but you're realizing that. So, of the twenty thousand users of Huravac and how it's evolved, um, as we as emergency managers are progressing through hurricane season, what advice do you have for new emergency managers uh, as they maybe are trying to uh, guide their jurisdictions through the potential for a response and then a potential for recovery? I, my thoughts, um, as I just mentioned, uh, there's a lot of people out there helping, to, helping you out from the National Weather Service to the hurricane center, to your state counterparts, um, the battle, like, and, and going back to what I originally said, the battle is going to be won now, not during the, during the, uh, event, getting the training, meeting those people, knowing who's who and who's responsible for what, what, what are your resources and capabilities? What are your shortfalls and gaps doing that now? Um, as much as you can, but I think the big one though is leaning on your partners and realizing how much is out there some great people out there too. I think in addition to the relationship building, familiarizing yourself with the the plans and data and tools and information that you have uh, available to you to help uh, support support your decision making. Uh, one of the things that, that we host every year is an annual meeting of the, the National Hurricane Program partners with our state counterparts. And a large focus of that preseason meeting is to review what's new in the data and, and tools available to you for this, this hurricane season. And so there are resources available that outline, you know, th these are the types of uh, information and, and planning support tools that can help you. So familiarizing yourself with, with what's already available. Thanks for listening to this episode of Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, or have ideas for future episodes, visit us at fema.gov slash podcast.